If you've got your Bibles, I hope that you do. Would you open them up to Luke chapter 2? Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, there are hardback black Bibles underneath the chair in front of you or around you. And if you're using one of those, we're going to be on page 857 together tonight. For the last four weeks here at Alberta Church, like Christians all around the planet, we have been in the season of Advent. I told you earlier that word Advent simply means coming. It means arrival. The season of Advent is a season to remember and celebrate the coming, the arrival of Jesus. And so we've been doing that for the last few weeks together. And tonight we come to the climax of Advent. And so I thought as we celebrate the climax of Advent, why not look at the story that Advent is all about? So this evening we're going to take just a few minutes to look at the story of the birth of Jesus, because this is the story that changed the world. You realize that your date of birth, the day you were born, is based on the day that Jesus was born. This is the story that changed the whole world. So let's look at this together. Luke chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 1, and we're just going to go to verse 20. The Bible says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people." For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Elsewhere in scripture, we read that the grass withers, that the flower falls, but that the word of the Lord remains forever. And this is the word of the Lord. Can we pray? Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the encouragement it gives us. Speak to us now. Help us to look at this account with clear and fresh eyes to see it for what it is teaching us. And let that teaching affect us and how we go about our day today and tomorrow, the rest of the year and into next year. We thank you for your word, Lord Jesus. It's in your beautiful name that we pray. 
Amen. I was reading online earlier this week, um, and I came across a story of some prisoners of war, American prisoners of war, being held in a Nazi prison camp toward the end of World War II. In those camps, those prisoners were not well taken care of at all. They were starving, thin, discouraged. They wondered if they'd ever get to go home. The story, it told how the Nazi guards would watch them from behind the fences and they would see their downcast faces and they'd see how they barely moved. They, they would just sit there slumped over. They rarely even spoke to one another. But then suddenly one morning, things changed. It was almost like there were new people there. They, they were still behind the fences. They were still not fed well. They were still weak and sick, but the guards noticed that they were happy. They were smiling. They were talking to one another. They, they were gathering in little huddles together. Those Nazi guards had no idea what was going on, but what had happened is that someone had smuggled a small transistor radio into that prison camp. And over that radio, the prisoners heard how the Allied forces had landed at Normandy. They heard how the Allies had won at Normandy. They heard how the Allies were moving inland. And as they heard all of that news, they knew their rescue was coming. Everything about these POWs' demeanor changed. All because they heard the news. You know, it's a, it's a good reminder there's power in news. News can awaken hope. I mean, look at these prisoners. They, they were there. Nothing had changed for them except the news. There's power in news. News can bring hope. And this evening, as we celebrate Christmas together, what I'd like you to see is that the good news that the angels proclaimed to those shepherds outside Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago is still good news for us today. And that good news is that Jesus came in humility to be our Savior and Lord. That's the main idea of this passage that we're looking at together tonight. That's what Luke is trying to help us see as he's telling us the story of Jesus' birth. If you walk away remembering nothing of the many memories you might have from tonight, like whether it's holding candles or these amazing musicians as they're playing and we're singing together, what I really want you to remember is this. Jesus came in humility to be our Savior and our Lord. Now let me show you this, and I'm going to try and move quickly as we move through the passage, but as Luke begins telling us the story of the birth of Jesus he begins by showing us that Jesus came in humility. Look at how it all begins. There in verse 1, Luke tells us, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. He tells us this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Now, as this began, begins here, I don't want you to miss God's sovereignty over everything that's happening. You see, the, the prophets had promised for years before that the Messiah, the Savior, would come from Bethlehem. 
but Mary and Joseph didn't live in Bethlehem. They lived in Nazareth. And so God fixes the problem. He, he puts it in the heart of Caesar Augustus, the ruler of the known world, who lives in Rome to take a census. Caesar makes his decree from Rome and, and over all the way in Galilee. You've got this poor carpenter and his fiancée moving from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Also, that one small prophet from Micah chapter 5 can, can be fulfilled. God is sovereign over all of this. And, and as all of this unfolds, you, you can begin to see Jesus' humility really coming into focus. Because Luke starts in the palace in Rome with Caesar. But by now, we find ourselves in Bethlehem. This small, no-name little town, it's, it's completely unimportant except that it was the ancestral home of King David. And in verses 6 and 7, Luke tells us, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, here's the thing. We, we have romanticized this story so much that all of this just seems so beautiful, doesn't it? Like Jesus, baby Jesus in the manger. We've got it on our little fireplace mantles, some of us out in our yard. This is this beautiful scene, but, but look past the songs we sing every December and see this for what it really is. Jesus, God in the flesh is born in a barn. Like, like, it was probably a cave that was adjacent to the inn that there wasn't room for them. We, we don't know that for sure, but, but most likely. But either way, Jesus, God in the flesh, is born among livestock. And Luke tells us that after he was born, Mary, Mary is the one who wrapped him in swaddling cloths, which means that she's there and she's alone with the child. Like there isn't a big crowd there with Mary and Joseph. There's not some nurses and midwives who are trying to help out in all of this. It's Mary who takes little baby Jesus and wraps him up. And if that wasn't all that was going on here, she takes her newborn baby and she lays him in a manger. Now again, we've got to look past the songs. Because we live in a farm town, we know a manger is just a feeding trough, right? Like, anybody ever seen a feeding trough? I've got a couple at my house for our goats. They're filthy all the time. Step one, if you're going to take care of my animals and you're going to feed them in the morning, step one is clean out the feeding trough. And it's into a filthy, disgusting feeding trough that Mary lays the savior of the world. All of this, as Luke is telling us the story of Jesus' birth, is meant to point us to the reality that Jesus came in humility. He wants us to see this clearly. But as we keep reading in the text, the, the scene is going to change. And, and as it does, what we're going to see is that while Jesus came in humility, he came as savior and Lord. Jesus came as our Savior and Lord. That's the second thing I want you to see right here. Look, starting at verse 8. 
Luke tells us, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. As Luke continues the narrative about Jesus' birth, the, the theme of humility continues. Like, did you notice there that when God sends his son into the world and he sends the announcement of his son coming into the world, did you see who he sent it to? He didn't send it to the emperor in Rome. He he didn't send it to the king in Jerusalem. He didn't send it to the governor. No, he sent it to shepherds in the field. Shepherds are not good dudes. They're not who we would think of as, as honorable people. They weren't even allowed to give their testimony in a court of law. Like, these guys are unclean. Everybody knew shepherds are thieves. Like, avoid them at all costs. But that's exactly who God chose to announce his good news to. Luke tells us there in verse 9, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Like, like, can you imagine what it must have been like to be those shepherds? Like, you're out in the fields outside Bethlehem at night. You've got your flock of sheep. They're all nestled down for the night. That, except that one, he keeps bawling, tell him to be quiet, right? But, but the rest of them, they're there. They're nestled down for the night. It's quiet. You can hear the breeze blowing through the grass. You're fighting to stay awake. It's been a long night. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, an angel of the Lord appears. And the glory of the Lord is shining down on you. It's like daylight in the middle of night. How how would you respond if that's you? I don't know about y'all. I'd be terrified. Now add on to that what we know about shepherds. They're unclean thieves. They're known bad guys. Imagine how that identity must have magnified their fear. But then in verse 10, the angel speaks, and and he says, fear not. He says, don't be afraid. I know you want to be, but don't be afraid. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. As the angel speaks, it's clear his mission, his purpose is not to bring the judgment that these shepherds were expecting. His mission is to bring joy, joy that's for everyone, joy that comes in the form of a person, a Savior and Lord. Look at verse 11. He says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, there are three words in that sentence that as you read them, they should capture your attention. First, the angel tells the shepherds that they are receiving a savior. A savior. The the good news of great joy that the angel is heralding is that a savior, a rescuer, a deliverer has come to a group of people that are sitting on the bottom rung of a society that is occupied by a foreign superpower. That is on its own good news. But this Savior is more than just a political Savior. Because the angel doesn't say, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, period, end of sentence. Does he? No, no, he tells us who that Savior is. And as he does, he confirms that this is the promised Messiah. 
He says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now it's important to recognize that these are two separate titles that identify who this Savior is. The first is Christ. Christ is the Greek word Christos. It means anointed one. It means Messiah. This is the Messiah that they have been longing for who's come to rescue and reconcile them back to God, but he doesn't just say that this Savior is the Christ. No, he says this Savior is Christ the Lord. And we shouldn't downplay that final title. You see, this is now the third time we've seen that word Lord being used in this passage alone. The first time we saw it was in Luke chapter, or verse 9 there, chapter 2, verse 9. Luke says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The angel is the messenger of God himself. And then again, in that same sentence, Luke tells us that the glory of the Lord shone around them. As God's messenger came to these shepherds with God's message, he radiated God's glory down onto these shepherds. And now as he makes that announcement, Luke uses that same word, the angel uses it, Lord, to describe the Savior. Don't, don't miss this. The angel is, is telling the shepherds that this Savior that is coming is the Messiah they've been looking for. And that Messiah is their God. It's a little bit of a rant for me, but I just have to point this out. We've heard lots of people over the years say, you know, Jesus was a great teacher who did a whole lot of good things. He's a moral leader. We should follow him. We should emulate him. He was so, such a great teacher, but he wasn't God. From the day of his birth, the Bible has been telling us plainly, Jesus is God. Their God was coming to them. And that's what makes this good news so powerful. It's not that Jesus came in humility, but that at the very same time that he came in humility, he came as Savior and Lord. God himself stepped into creation to deal with our sin problem, to reconcile sinners to himself. This is an act of love. God loved us so much that he sent his only son into the world so that we could know him and be with him. So the angel makes his announcement and then in verse 12, he tells them how to identify this Savior, this Messiah, this Lord. Take a look at verse 12. The angel says, and this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. As I was studying this passage, one, one New Testament scholar noted that in Bethlehem that night, there might have been one or two babies wrapped in swaddling cloths, but lying in a filthy, stinking Manger in a barn? Only one. So that's how they're going to know they're in the right place. And, and as the angel delivers this message, 
Luke tells us there in verses 13 and 14 that suddenly with that angel, there was a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. God steps into creation and his angels proclaim the good news and they worship. That's what happens. And as we continue in Luke's account, we're going to see that our response should be the same. We're going to see that our response is proclamation and praise. Take a look, beginning at verse 15. The Bible says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. As Luke completes his account of the birth of Jesus, he tells how the shepherds drop everything and they run to Bethlehem. And when they get to Bethlehem, they find the baby as they expected and as they see that it's all true. They share. Verse 17 says that when they saw it, they made known the same that had been told them concerning this child. When the shepherds saw baby Jesus lying in a manger, they tell Mary and Joseph everything that the angel had told them. They, they start broadcasting the good news that they've received to anyone that will listen. And we know that because verse 18 tells us that all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Like, these guys won't be quiet about it. Everybody's wondering about it. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. I don't know this for sure, but incidentally, I I think Mary is Luke's source for this account. Uh, I think that verse right there is, is giving us a little bit of a detail behind this. But these shepherds, bottom rung of society, These shepherds to whom the angels declared their good news of great joy, they go and they see it, and then they themselves become the heralds. They themselves become the ones who are telling others about the good news of great joy. They proclaimed the good news they'd received, but but they didn't just proclaim. They also worshiped. Keep reading in verse 20. Luke says, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The shepherds in the hills outside Bethlehem became the first recipients of the good news that their Savior and Lord had finally come. And as they received that good news and they went and saw baby Jesus and and as they saw him, they they realized all of this is true and, and their response is proclamation and praise. They tell anybody that will listen, And they praised and glorified God. And what I want you to recognize tonight is that their response is our response. You see, as we receive the good news of the gospel, that good news that starts with the bad news, that we're sinners. Like every single one of us, we're all sinners. And our sin, it separates us from God. There's nothing we can do about it on our own. By ourselves, we are completely unable to fix our sin problem. But the good news of the gospel, what makes it good news is what we're reading about tonight. Jesus went and he put on flesh. 
He came in humility to be our Savior and Lord, and he lived a perfect, sinless life. And yet, in spite of that, he went to the cross, and he died a sinner's death in our place for our sin. They buried him in a borrowed tomb, but on the third day, he rose in victory over sin and death. And if we will repent of our sin, if we'll place our faith in his finished work, he'll give us his righteousness and all of that sin, all of those things that we cannot fix on our own in a moment, they're gone. Because of what we're reading about this morning. And when we experience that, when you experience the reality that Jesus is Savior and Lord over your life. Your response is proclamation and praise. We share that good news. You, you won't be able to keep it to yourself. And you will worship God. There's power in news. It can bring hope. And each year at Christmas, we're given this opportunity to celebrate and proclaim this good news. That Jesus came in humility to be our Savior and Lord. So this year, today, tomorrow, the week ahead, as we celebrate Christmas, as we exchange gifts, as we spend time with family and friends and eat way too much delicious food, my hope and my prayer is that you'll remember this good news right here, that Jesus came in humility, that he came to be your Savior and Lord, and as you remember that, you'll respond You'll experience the freedom and joy we've been talking about all night together. And then you'll let your celebrations point other people to Jesus. It's a cheesy saying. I can't stand it, but it's so true. Jesus really is the reason for the season. Let's keep him at the center of everything we do. Tonight, tomorrow, and in the year ahead. Until we get to gather next Christmas and celebrate it all over again. Can we pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came. We thank you that you emptied yourself. We thank you that even though you were in the form of God, you did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but you emptied yourself. You took on the form of a servant. You were born in the likeness of men. And that you humbled yourself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, so that we might have life in you. Lord Jesus, would you remind us of the gospel story throughout our celebrations and throughout our week and our year ahead, we love you. It's in your beautiful name that we pray. Amen.